Well, good morning. Glad you all could make it. We've got a little uh, something here in the middle of the stage you may have noticed. You know, years ago we didn't have this, and uh, we would have to go to a uh, river or lake or some other such thing. It was much colder, especially this time of year. But, um, you know, the problem with that was is that when we'd go to do a water baptism, so many of you wouldn't show up. (laughs) And uh, I love the fact that we're able to do this here as a part of the worship service today because it's a testimony, and we all need to witness that testimony today and celebrate that. Um, So I'm glad that you're all here today and thankful for the opportunity to um, celebrate with you guys. Some of you haven't seen in a while, and some of you I've never seen, so I'm looking around here, wow, pretty fun stuff. Uh, I have some people designated readers, and uh, last week we were much more organized, and you guys better find your scripture reading because I'm filling time right now. So come on up when, when you're ready. Uh, We've been talking about Advent, the season of Advent. If you grew up in a liturgical church, you understand what it is. Most of us haven't. And so when we talk about the season of Advent, we get sometimes like, well, what's that? And um, as I explained last week, um, our liturgical brothers and sisters get a little bit weirded out about the fact that we call it Christmas right now. And uh, this is Advent. This isn't Christmas. And they'll tell me that over and over and over again. Kenny, this isn't Christmas. This is Advent. Christmas is Christmas Day. And that's when we begin the season of Christmas and um, the celebration of Christmas. So the, the word Advent means coming. And it's the preparation for his coming. And so for us, we think there is no preparation. He came. But the early church understood that the preparation of his coming wasn't just to look back on when he came the first time, it's the preparation of his coming again. And so this season allows us to celebrate something that happened in the past, but it also helps us to prepare for what's coming in the future. And so with that, I wanted to uh, be a little bit more on the liturgical side and have some readings. The only thing is that I can say about liturgical is um, liturgical with smartphones. (laughs) Except for Tommy. Tommy's being the one traditional person here. So uh, you guys know your readings in order, so go ahead and uh, do it to it. Okay. This is Malachi 3, 1 through 4. He says, Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like the gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. So you guys hear the hope in that? This this idea of 
God's promises being spoken to us. Uh, Luke 1, 68 through 79. <laughs> Can't read with your glasses. Nope. <laughs> Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to Abraham our father to grant us that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you child shall be called the prophet of the most high. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways to give his, to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet unto the way of peace. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. And if it sounds funny, I'm reading from the message version. Every time you cross my mind, I break out in exclamations of thanks to God. Each exclamation is a trigger to prayer. I find myself praying for you with a glad heart. I am so pleased that you have continued on in this with us, believing and proclaiming God's message from the day you heard it right up to the present. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. It is not at all fanciful for me to think this way about you. My prayers and hopes have deep roots in reality. You have, after all, stuck with me all the way from the time I was thrown in jail, put on trial, and came out of it in one piece. All along, you have experienced with me the most generous help from God. He knows how much I love and miss you these days. Sometimes, I think I feel as strongly about you as Christ does. So, this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus would be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved, in the glory and praise of God. Luke 3, 1 through 6. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetriarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetriarch of Ituria, 
and the region of Trachonitis, and Lysanus, tra uh, patriarch of Abilene, while Annas and Cephas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching and baptizing of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So we're still preparing the way of the Lord. Because his first coming was prepared for and was even prepared by John the Baptist. That was part of his ministry. But we're, we today are preparing the way of the Lord. Uh, sometimes preparing the way of the Lord into our own lives uh, through repentance and prayer, but also preparing the way of the Lord through our testimony. That, that today, as we baptize uh, three individuals today, that that is going to possibly prepare the way of the Lord uh, for, for some of you today. You'd be like, wow, that really... That really was an encouragement to me, and maybe the Lord would speak to you through that as well. Hey, Lance, would you come on up? I like that. Uh-oh. What's it, what did Chuck say? You need it again? You need it again? <laughs> What I was wondering about is if you could share uh, with us real quick uh, what you heard from Alex, yeah. and uh, if you want to read it, you can, or, okay. um, and then lead us in prayer. Okay. All right. Uh, oh, there we go. So I, I did post a few things on the Men in the Middle group, me, this morning. We got a midnight text from Alex, and it's funny in our house, because we haven't been able to talk to her for months, and so, I mean, we do get little nuggets here and there, so like... We knew that she was going to be in range today, and so it's like you're hovering by your phone, and you know the phone goes ding. You're like, run to it. Oh, it's not her, you know. But anyhow, but uh, so this morning we woke up and we did get a little bit of a. Uh, we got a, a family group meet text, and so I passed it on to the men in the middle. I'll share that with you. Then I'll then I'll go on and share with you what because uh, we had a follow up, which was even funner. But wait, there's more. For you that don't know, I see there's so a few faces. My daughter is in on a nine-month missions trip, and she's been currently in Swaziland, uh, just in the South South Africa area, and she's getting ready to move to Nepal. And so she sent this this morning. She said, "Hello, family. I just wanted to give you an update. I was I am in South Africa now, preparing to move to Nepal." I have very little information on what my life will actually be like. I will be building and establishing a church in a closed country. I will be staying with the Nepal family in their home. Other than that, I have very little information. I should have internet in the next two days to contact with everybody and let everyone know what's going on, and I really miss you guys. The last month in Africa was really difficult for me, cause, and I am glad for the change. I am even more heartbroken for that Christmas is so soon and I won't be there. But there have been so many great moments here as well. So that was her brief text. And then we use WhatsApp 
for communication because it's free and you don't have to pay all those international fees. And uh, I seen that she was on online, and so I uh, called her, and she, she came on. She goes, "Dad, Alex, Dad, Alex, <laughs> is that you?" <laughs> you know, like I can't believe it. She looks so tan. She goes, <laughs> and I look so white. So <laughs> So <laughs> she goes, I know it's a South African son. She goes, I can't believe it. But anyways, we had a good laugh. And uh, she was uh, in, in the Johannesburg airport just getting ready to board. So I just caught her. And uh, we talked for about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And, uh, and uh, she, uh, she's been doing good. Uh, the first month, she said it was like a honeymoon. Uh, you know, like when you're newly married. I mean, everything you're getting to know, getting to know everybody and the environment, and then the the, the second month, reality kind of sets in, and then the third month was was pretty difficult on her, and uh, uh, the third the third month being the difficulty was just her, the diet, the food, uh, struggling in that that arena. So she is ready for a change uh, for going to Nepal, but. Uh, uh, in Nepal, she said to us that she really doesn't know what to expect other than it's uh, they're going over there to help reestablish a church or re we'll build into a church. But when you're in that country, you're not allowed to uh, uh, witness. You can be there being a Christian, but you cannot profess uh, that you are a Christian. So that will be the, the uh, interesting aspect of her next leg of the trip is that that part of it um she'll be staying with the family so uh, not any in, intense in compounds and have a little bit more of a civility kind of a life going on there for her so she's excited about that um yeah so i i, I think i did i get everything stephanie that she was sharing with us i knew a lot of it was what was more going on with us um but uh, she seemed very happy and joyful. Uh, no, it won't be a Muslim family. It'll be a, a Christian family. And the team has been split up. They've been with 50 kids all together. And, and now that we broke down to just 12 of them in, in this, this part. Um, um, so, yeah, that, the, but, but they'll be in a home where, where there'll be a little bit more on her and hopefully regular food. <laughs> so, so she had to, uh, when they got into Johannesburg, she had to, she, she was telling the story, it's quite funny now, but at the time it was not funny. Uh, she, she had stomach issues and uh, she had just endured an eight hour bus ride out of the bush, so to speak. And it was crammed, I mean, you can visualize, just, it was just crammed with everybody. And her stomach, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. And and eight hours of that, they get to this hostel. And she's and she's just got this stomach stuff going on, and uh, goes to bed. Wakes up at four in the morning. There's bugs everywhere. They're, she's bitten all over, and so she goes to go to the bathroom. Well, there were people sleeping on the bathroom floor be, to to get away from the bugs, and she's like, I just need a toilet, you know, and. Uh, so she, she had to leave, and then she, she she went to go find another bathroom, and but it was locked, and because of security reasons, so she had from four to six pace back and forth 
outside waiting to use this bathroom. And she, she said it, it was a very humbling <laughs> and a relying on God experience. Uh, so, but she made, <laughs> she made it through that. And, and we laughed because before she went on this, we, we were talking about these particular situations where you will find yourself in a humbling situation like that. And, and how do you go through that? And she, this was this morning she was saying, Dad, I just wanted to tell you that, you know, the bathrooms over here, they don't have doors, <laughs> you know. And, you know, it's, it's very exposed. And she says, I'll just let you know that you were right. It, it, you do find yourself in a very, you know, because she's very quiet, very reserved. And, and it, it's, just, it's just a very humbling experience in that regards. Um, and, uh, uh, but she's worked through it and, and getting along just fine. So she's doing good. She's doing good. She's happy for a change, ready for a new, moving on. And, and uh, so, so, okay. Father, I just give you thanks for uh, tomorrow, to this morning's service and uh, the baptism that's about ready to take place. And uh, oh, wow, what a way just to acknowledge you and in their lives and their salvation. And, uh, and as we can celebrate that and, and honor that and recognize it. So uh, we give that to you and, and the remaining of our service and the word that's to be spoken and, and all things. And uh, uh, we just give you thanks to everybody that's here. Um, and uh, just, just bless our time together in this, in this moment. And, uh, and I do give you thanks for Alexandria and the word that we got to hear yes, this morning and, and the sharing on that's going on in her life and, and uh, the continued covering and prayer yes, and Jesus. protection over her as our church body here and our little family here is, is that... Uh, we could, got word from her on that. So we give you thanks for that, and uh, we just give you these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Lance. All right. So uh, as we're preparing, or we're, yeah, preparing for this coming of the Lord, I've been talking, uh, started last week, Am I back on? Okay. So uh, moving towards Bethlehem, the house of bread, and the journey uh, as we look back on bringing the bread of heaven to the house of bread. For those of you that don't know, Bethlehem literally means house of bread. And um, it's, it's a house of supply. It's a house of provision. And so here we have Joseph and Mary are um, on their way there. And we talked last week about the upheaval that oftentimes when we sing our Christmas hymns, our little Christmas carols, that it doesn't adequately reflect what's going on in Israel at this time. That there's upheaval there as Caesar's made this requirement. I thought it'd be fun to count all of you. And so... uh, so here we have Joseph and Mary having to move from Nazareth to um, Bethlehem. And we talked last week about the fact that that's 70 miles as the crow flies, but it's closer to 90-mile trip by foot. So they would have been traveling for several days getting to, um, to Bethlehem. They would have been not traveling alone. We oftentimes see the pictures, the Christmas pictures, the silhouette 
of Mary on a donkey and Joseph leading the donkey faithfully. And there may be some truth to that, uh, but the reality is it's very likely that what was going on is there would have been a lot of people because they would have all been moving to those places. And um, there's some other things I'll share about that next week. But um, we talked about last week about God moving to get Jesus where he had to be or to get Joseph and Mary where they needed to be so that God's word could be fulfilled. And I'll talk about that here in a moment. But this week what I want to talk about is my part or our part in the moving. If Joseph and Mary would have just taken a stance of, I don't want to go to Bethlehem. You know, I'm, I'm not sure what the implications would have been if it, there was an arrest in in that or, or what, what's going on, but they felt compelled that they had to go. And, and I'm sure that if Mary was like anything like me, it would have been, I don't want to go right now. This is dumb. You know, this is inconvenient. I'm pregnant. Uh, I know that you guys are getting quite a picture in your mind right now. Kenny pregnant. This is weird. All right. But you guys, you're following what I'm saying. This is not a great time to be traveling on foot. And we, we relate to that 90-mile trip to going to Billings. And we can do that in a day. But imagine if we were talking about, okay, Richard, we're going to go to Billings. We've got to go to Costco. Got to get some stuff. Let's plan ahead. And this is going to take us the best part of a week just to get up there. And then it's going to take us a week to get home or more. And when we start putting it in that kind of context, then it starts sounding, gee, this is pretty inconvenient. Wouldn't you agree? So there's a lot of people in Bethlehem, and um, I wanted to just start with the basis of the story. In Luke 1, 26 through 38, we have the angel's announcement to Mary. So the basis for the story is, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. I I think that's interesting, you guys. When she saw him, she wasn't troubled at his appearance. She was troubled at what he just said to her. Okay? And she saw him, she was troubled, and, and, and considered, what manner of greeting is this? Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Are you guys getting the picture here? This angel is doing a major download to Mary. This is, this is a download of information that you would normally go, what? Can you repeat that last thing that you just said? Okay, we don't know. Mary may have said that, but we have the, the basics here. How can this be? This is, this is when then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? See, she understood biology, right? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, 
who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So when we look at that, I don't know about you guys, but when I look at that sort of thing, there's a lot of information and we can just, we've heard it so many times that we just kind of go into this autopilot mode of, of listening and not understanding that um, this doesn't happen every day. Angels just don't show up and say, oh, by the way, you're going to get pregnant? Well, how's that going to happen? And, and then to have that kind of impartation of this. So then, then we look at um, Joseph. Joseph has to be brought in on this, and we'll, we'll hear why here in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, that means engaged, and it's not in, engaged like we think of engaged today, the engagement is as serious as the wedding itself. All right, I'm not going to go into a great amount of detail, but just go that far with you for now. Um, she was, before they had come together, before they had come together in order to produce a child, all right, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, is thinking, girl, you're pregnant. This isn't cool. I paraphrased a bit last week. I'm paraphrasing again today. Because you guys, we don't relate to then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, um, was minded to put her away secretly. He's thinking, this is, not, this is not cool. This is not convenient. This is not what I was expecting. And But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So, so here we have this download God's bringing to Mary, then he's bringing download to Joseph, and, and they're thinking, okay, we're here in Nazareth, this is all, you know, going along okay, and Luke 2, 1 through 5 that we read last week, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who is with child. So 
Going to the city of David is important because, one, Joseph is part of the lineage of David. Why is that important? Because God said to David, I'm going to have somebody come from you who's going to save the people. He's going to rule over them forever. You will never have a time when there's not somebody in this place ruling over Israel, but the ruling in the messianic realm is to to save Israel, but also to save the world. So it's important that God is moving them to this place because in Micah 5.2 it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. They understood that ruler in Israel is connected to David, and it's the city of David. It's, it's his hometown. Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. So it's not talking about David, is it? It's talking about God. It's talking about the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So God knows his plan. But here's the point. There is much that Joseph and Mary didn't know. They get this download of information and they're trying to track it all. And then Caesar Augustus says, hey, let's count everybody. And let's move everybody around so everything's in, in havoc. And Richard and I were talking about that last week. And one of the things that, that is a reality of that is, is if they didn't do it just the right way, the Jews were going to be really, really ticked. And, and so there was, this wasn't one of those times of, hey, we get to go on a road trip. It was those stinking Romans. They're always coming up with stupid stuff to do. Here we are again. You know, if there's ever a time that we need a savior. So Joseph and Mary moved in faith in spite of their circumstances and questions. The conditions, like I said, of the timing of preparing for the coming of the Lord, this doesn't look like the ideal situation. Let's move. Let's take a long road trip. The political climate was not favorable. The social upheaval that was going on, does this start to sound anything familiar to our day and age? The political upheaval, the social upheaval that's going on, the inconvenience of God's ways and timing. So inconvenient that one would question if this was really a God thing or not. After all, a virgin is with child? Come come on. Conceived by the Holy Spirit and you want us to move? Can't you tell Caesar Augustus later? Can't you you just beam us from Nazareth to Bethlehem instead of making us go through this? Come on, you guys have asked God stuff like that before. If you're really there. So here's our part in the moving. We move in faith in spite of the circumstances. Our questions, our struggles are real. There's nothing wrong with, with, with stating those things, of wrestling with those things, talking about those things. Just as Joseph and Mary, though, moved towards Bethlehem in faith that they had been told was true. Let me say say that again. Just as Joseph and Mary moved towards Bethlehem in faith that what they had been told by the angels was true, in spite of their circumstances, we too have been given precious promises in which we walk. And according to 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4, where he says, Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have, t- uh, <clears throat> excuse me, who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, 
Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So our part is we continue to move forward understanding that God's made a way even though it may not look real good. I don't know, you know, Emily, I know you're getting baptized today. Amy, you're getting baptized. Emma, you know, she hasn't had quite as much life experience as this. Uh, but but for, for both of you ladies that are getting baptized, you can probably look back on your life at least once and say, man, I've blown it. I don't know if, if you're like me, but for, for me, sometimes it comes out like this. Boy, I was an idiot. And, 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 and what, what we have to look at in those points of time is we have to look at it from the standpoint of saying, we keep moving forward even when we're an idiot. I didn't know the pastor was going to call us all idiots. <laughs> but, but is that true, you guys, that we keep moving forward even when it doesn't feel like we want it to. Even when it doesn't look the way we want it to, we keep moving forward because His divine power has given us that investment that we need to accomplish what He's called us to. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I hear something in that scripture that says, God is at work in me, but the reality is I need to work with him as well. It's not a matter of, okay, God, I'm on autopilot. Work in me however you want. No, it, it takes, takes us walking with him and moving with him. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Have some understanding that this is a God thing, not just some grand idea you came up with. And Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, this is true for those that are being baptized. We talked about this beforehand, that, that this isn't about magical water. This isn't about, wow, something weird is going to happen when you're in this water. Pastor Kenny put some special sparklies in the water. No, no. What this is, is it's an it's a exercise of your faith to do something that Jesus told you to do. And that is where the power is at. When you exercise your faith to do one thing that you know he told you to do, that then God can say, now we have something to work with. Because we're working together, not separate. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. This isn't about my life. This is about, this is his life now. Amen? So water baptism today for, for those that are being baptized and for those of you that may be considering this is it's an expression of our faith in response to his love for us water baptism is an expression of obedience to his lordship many of you have heard me say this repeatedly 
but it's still true. <laughs> no matter how many times you've heard it, it's still true. And that is, being baptized is one of the first things we can do as a Christian that we know that we are doing something that Jesus told us to do. It's a physical act that helps us to express our alignment with the spiritual work he is doing in us. So the folks that are being baptized today, they're identifying with the lordship of Jesus Christ. They're submitting to the will of their Lord and Savior through faith. And this is, I'm not going to read all of these verses, but according to Romans 3, 21 through 26, according to the fact that faith produces action, this, getting baptized, does not save you. That work does not save you, but it is the expression of faith that produces something of obedience to Jesus. That is the saving process where we're set apart or sanctified to become more and more like him because no longer Lowell who lives, but Jesus is living through Lowell, and so he's going to become more and more like Christ as he learns how to apply that. Water baptism is that action. That is a symbol of washing or cleansing, acknowledging that sanctifying, that setting apart for his purpose. We're being immersed in his identity. Talked to the people getting baptized beforehand and said, you know, it's going to be real obvious who got baptized here in a few minutes. Because they're going to be all wet. And they're going to want to hug some of you. So they can share that wetness with you. The same way that we can look at somebody and say, you're all wet. The same way that it's that obvious, that is what Jesus wants to do in our lives, is he wants to bring us to a place where it is obvious that he's our Lord and Savior, and that when we have that all wetness in Jesus, if I can say it that way, that when I hug somebody, Jesus gets all over them at the same time. You say, well, I don't think I'm there yet. I don't know anybody that's arrived. Even Paul, the apostle, said, I haven't arrived yet. But one thing I do, I keep pressing forward to the upward call that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, forgetting what was behind me, forgetting the old man, forgetting all my failures, and you'll probably have more failures to forget tomorrow. But forgetting those things and pressing on to become more like Jesus, so that the same way that we can tell that you're all wet when you get baptized, that there's going to be an ongoing quality that begins to show in your life that you've been with Jesus. Finally, as we as we as we dunk people, I can't think of an easier way to say it than that. As we dunk people in the water, we identify with the death of, of Jesus Christ. And that's why we can say it's no longer I who live because I'm identifying that, that he died for my sins and, and I'm dead to my old life. And when we come up out of the water, we identify with his resurrection so we can say it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And finally, I guess this is my finally. This opens the door for further growth. There's, there's three really good scriptures that I'm just going to give you if you're taking notes. Mark 16, 15 through 16. 
That's one of the reasons why we baptize people is because Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that it's part of the confession of our faith to not only give our lives to Christ, but then also to share Jesus with others. Amen? So this isn't about... You guys are wondering, what's that? It keeps the water warm. Yeah, that is a yay. So the other verse is Galatians 3.27 and uh, Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. And the point of all of those is, is that we're not meant to be the same. We're meant to grow. We're meant, we're meant to continually uh, mature and be more and more like Christ. 